Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Welcome to November. Jeremy and Gretchen, can you believe that we're already in November? No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> it seems like it was One, just July. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and the weather up here did, I don't know about you guys down there, but the weather up here didn't help much. We went about two weeks ago from summer to winter. So it's at least feeling like it's supposed to be November now. Well, and there were old stories about, oh, that that um, uh, Halloween was actually New Year's Eve, and then the next days were winter. That's what it felt like here. Yeah, same, same, same <laughs> got here, really right? cold. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we went from summer to winter. <laughs> so ha- Halloween here was just a, a lot of rain. Uh, it wasn't actually that bad. It was just very wet. Uh-huh. We got a good turnout of trick-or-treaters. I was a little surprised. I had some really cool costumes, too. But oh, um, awesome. But, yeah, so it, it didn't seem to uh, put the kibosh on that, so that's pretty cool. But, yeah, you know, we need the rain, and I'm glad that we have it. It's supposed to be this time of year. I like green. It's green up here in Oregon, and without rain, we don't get to keep that. So, you know, that's a good thing. But, yeah. Um, anyway, this week on the show, we're going to be talking about social media. Elon Musk finally bought Twitter. So we're going to discuss that and some other things that are coming out of this. Definitely a lot of questions circulating around this, a lot of changes coming to that company and social media in general. And then on the other side of this, we're looking at new networks. Chaz Wellington is going to be joining us later in the show to talk about a social media company he's spearheading called Gaming Social. So a lot of social media this week, and uh, we'll see where that ends up going. But before we get to that, we need to talk about what's in the news. So Gretchen, what's in the news? New York could become the first state with a right to repair law for electronic devices. So we've talked about right to repair before, and this is basically the idea that you buy a device and you have the right to fix it. And this covers a lot of different things from electronic devices to cars. So like when my truck breaks down just as a normal thing, if I want to, I go out and fix it. Modern vehicles will brick in some cases if you start messing around with them. And the same thing with electronics. Now, Apple bought into this, and you can now get a kit from them if you want to fix your iPhone or iPad yourself. They ship it to you. You basically rent it, and it gives you all the tools for that. And it does work. It's this giant, heavy thing, but it works, you know. (laughs) So as far as legislation with this type of thing goes, on the books, we don't have anything official yet, but New York is looking at doing that. And I think one of the things that's kind of cool about this is when you can fix things yourself, it does mean that, number one, that if you're inclined to be able to do it, you can save some money and work on it. But number two, you don't end up at least as easily with the situation that there's only one shop that can work on that item and you have to go to them and now they can charge a premium because no one else can do it. So we'll see where this ends up going. Well, Mm -hmm. I think Esther has an opinion. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure she does. She always (laughs) wants to get around the computer. Apparently, fires from exploding e-bike batteries multiply in New York City, sometimes fatally. That's not Yeah, good. that would be a bit of a bummer to be riding an e-bike and have it burst into flames. Uh, uh, yeah, I just that, that, don't think sounds, I'd want to experience that. That reminds me of an episode of Rebels. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> what's happening here, though, isn't quite that dramatic, although it can be, is that you have some chargers that don't shut off properly when the battery is full. Uh-huh. And this isn't just with bicycles. We've seen this with other things over the years. And it sets off a chain reaction. And when it, bikes fail, they say they fail like a blowtorch. It's caused fires and all kinds of other things. And it's to a point now where they say they've had incidents that have had so much power 
They're actually blowing walls down in between rooms and apartments. Oh my god! So it's kind of like an explosion. I mean, you know that. Uh, Holy, that wow. is the case here. So it's, I keep uh, an eye on our eco batteries. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And just out of New York, 2022, they've had 174 known battery fires so far dealing with this. Wow. (laughs) AI network detects drunkenness by evaluating infrared images of human faces with 93% accuracy. Yeah, which is really good considering there's not going to be 100% accuracy, but this type of a situation is interesting from an academic perspective to see how spot on it is. Drunk driving continues to be and always has been a big deal since we basically had cars. And in some cases, they put in devices where you have to breathe into it to start your car. If you've had a DUI, you might need that. This is a system that could be used in that way, but it's not limited to the car. I mean, you can always abuse these things. They can put them in the camera on the sidewalk and see if you're drunk walking down the street, too. So like with technology, there's (laughs) pluses and minuses. But I can see a situation like this from a safety perspective. If one has abused the law and has driven while intoxicated in the past, to be able to have a device like this that would be in the car that prevented it from starting in that case, would make some sense. And from the flip side of it is, again, just from an academic perspective, to have that kind of an accuracy on an AI is kind of amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stretchable battery packaging with moisture and gas barrier could power the future of wearable devices. Yeah, so wearable devices are a big deal. We talked about this with our guests last week a little bit, and we're going to be looking at some of these things coming up. And a lot of these devices are very much becoming a part of just life. They can save lives and do other things that are very important. Um, Sensors for various biomarkers, things like drug delivery, medical devices, and so on. But in order to do that, you have them in an environment that is hostile to electronics, especially if they're implanted, and Mm -hmm. they need to be flexible. Mm -hmm. So what they've come up here with is a stretchable battery that is packed in what they call liquid metal. Hmm. And this is safe and is not permeable, or at least that's what they're saying. And it will work in an environment that would otherwise be toxic to electronics. So there's a lot of advantages that something like this could bring. The film is made out of a a layered base thing with using a polyurethane film onto gold-depositive thermoplastic. So there are long words for the day. Hmm. And putting this together allows them to create it. It seems to be, at least in the proof-of-concept stage, something that'll work quite well for making a battery that can be flexible and not have the restrictions that the rigid batteries do right now. And I actually could see something like this being used not just in implanted or medical devices, but in things in general, if it works out well. We've heard about the idea of a flexible phone. They do have that proof of concept in the screen. Now, if we had it in the battery and the circuit board, I mean, you could literally roll up your phone if you needed to do that. (laughs) it would be of an advantage. So (laughs) So they're saying the film could be useful as a barrier film for something called organic electronics. And that's a question (laughs) that we're going to be talking about what that is a few weeks down the road. Cool. Internet Explorer 11 has retired and is officially out of support. Yeah, it dropped out of support earlier this year, but uh, we've had a lot of questions on this, so I did want to talk about it. The other thing of it is, is the separation of this is going to be official on Thanksgiving, or on Thanksgiving, my goodness, on Valentine's Day of next year, February 14th, is the day an update comes out that will permanently disable Internet mm. Explorer on Windows 10 and Windows 11. So after that, oh, it'll wow. no longer run. No love for Internet Explorer 11 at not that anymore. Point. Not anymore. <laughs> it's been around for a long time, 
This is a product. Um, I think I my first version of Internet Explorer I used was like three or something uh, a very long time hmm. ago. The product's been out for 25 years. Wow. Uh, Microsoft wanted it to be a standard. It was shipped with every version of Windows for a long time. Mm-hmm. Never completely took the market 100%, but is definitely something that a lot of us have seen and have worked with. Microsoft Edge is the product that's taking over for that. And I do have to say, I've always been uh, Chrome is the browser that I prefer, but I do think Edge is a lot better than Internet Explorer. It seems to take care of a lot of the issues that we were having with that. Definitely is next generation. You know, so they are going the right direction as far as that goes. But yeah, if you're still running Internet Explorer, uh, it's time to switch. For most end users, this won't be too big of a deal where this does cause problems as larger corporate networks where they have software that will only work with Internet Explorer and it's part of their system. Uh-oh. And like with Flash mm-hmm. shutting down, all of a sudden it would stop working. And I know some of the bigger companies, one big home improvement company, hadn't updated their training videos. And when Flash stopped working, you couldn't get training for a while. I'm glad to understand that's been fixed, but it took him a month. (laughs) Will a USB-C iPhone make Apple's lightning cable obsolete? Yeah, this is actually an interesting question. What this is talking about is a new rule in the EU that is requiring all mobile devices to use a common charging cable. And the cable that's been selected for all this is USB-C, which replaces the lightning cable. And Apple is making the transition mainly because they have to. Kind of the last hmm. holdout on a device manufacturer not using a standard cable. I think this is actually going to be a good thing. It'll take some time to get there because they've got other devices that require a lightning cable to charge. So you're not going to see it disappear, but it will over time. And having a standard, a big part of what this is going to do is save a lot of trash. So you're not throwing yeah. out a charger every time you throw out a device, you know? So yeah, I think, I think heading there, I think it's a good thing from that standpoint. And I think Apple and iPhone owners will benefit from it, but it is something that's going to be a little bit of a transition. So we've got a great show coming up for you this week where I can say we're going to be talking social media. So don't go away. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Social media, social networking. Big news this last week with all of the stuff that's going on with Twitter. And basically, just to kind of recap what's going on there is earlier in the year, Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter, made an offer. There was some concern about fake bots and a number of other things. Whole thing ended up going to court. They came to terms and he finished his purchase on it and took over. And the first thing he did was he turned up, let's see, this would have been Thursday of week before last was when he closed. He turned up at the Twitter campus in San Francisco carrying a kitchen sink. And mm-hmm. basically that analogy seems to be what's going on here. Right now, there's a lot of stuff being reviewed and talked about, a lot of different information that's out online about all of this. And, you know, to dive into kind of what's going on with Twitter today and social media in general, this has been something that We've had for a long time, yeah. You know, internet, Facebook, of course, and uh, before that, what was uh, Facebook and MySpace well, was one MySpace. that preceded that. Yeah. Now I've been the Twitter person for user friendly this whole time, so I've seen a lot of changes. So you're you know? user friendly's chief twit. 
Yeah, I'm user friendly's chief twit. <laughs> well, if he wants the chief twit of Twitter, then you can be yeah. user friendly's chief twit. No, but uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> tweet mm-hmm. tweet. <laughs> no, I, I think we all have. You know, in, in looking back at all this, I was never a big MySpace user. No. I did use Foursquare, another site that's actually still out there, but not very used anymore. And Facebook. And Facebook, to me, at one time was a big deal. I enjoyed going on and playing the games of Farmville, you know, stuff like that. Hooking up with old <laughs> friends, you know, yeah, seeing, yeah. seeing pictures of their families and the and stuff they were fun. working and on. It became almost toxic. Yeah, it did. Um, and actually, Twitter I mean, did the same thing. Twitter, yeah, for just, a while, was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And yeah, across the board. I mean, you know, but now, now Facebook, I think is. I'm going to circle back to Twitter here in a minute, but Facebook okay. has been a little better, but it's not like what I remember. I, I guess there's still games. I don't know. Um, there are. Zynga and all of that stuff. Uh, do people still play them? Yes. Okay. All right. So I mean, that's good. Uh, I guess I'm not one of those people. Is Farmville still a thing? I honestly don't know. I haven't actually played okay. Farmville in a long time because it was playing all this Farmville was like a, too much time. Yeah, time, Farmville yeah, was definitely wasting. a time sink. Yeah, um, I've but, definitely moved to games that are a better use of my time, like Angry yes. Birds. But in any event, um, it's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just oh. I remember my last straw was there was a SimCity game on Facebook, and I had some premium currency in it, and they decided to shut the game down, but wouldn't refund the money for the premium currency you couldn't use. Right. That's kind of when my love of social media started to change. That was kind of a line in the sand for me. Yeah. And afterwards, it became a situation where, like we were saying earlier, it started to become very toxic. And a lot of people arguing, no really. Just and being mean. Just yeah, being just for flat no out reason. Mean. Mm-hmm. And then the whole <laughs> thing with the disinformation and fake news and all that, all that stuff that was going on and still is to some extent. Um, it's just never something I've circled back to. And I know. On Twitter, to specifically look at that a little bit, we used to have a lot more interaction with our posts and different things, and it seems like a lot of that is yeah. dried up. Would you agree with that, Gretchen? Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to have a lot of interaction. Uh, we would share photos from events, and people would hit like or reshare them. And then something weird happened. It just dried up. It was like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in a ghost town, and right. I'm performing walking down the street of this empty ghost town going hi here we are oh check this out look i'm sharing this you know i am all by myself that's what i feel like and so it's kind of like you know it's not very fun it's not very inspiring and uh, at times i feel like i'm not doing anything for user friendly because i get no reaction and And i don't post anything mean uh i try to be like informative i stay focused on science and pop culture and where is everybody yeah and you're not alone in that one of the things that i was reading in a study on this is that what they call prolific users on twitter and that's defined as people that tweet five times or more a week have really dried up in recent years there isn't the Mm -hmm. interaction that there used to be and Mm -hmm. if we remember back to another short-lived social media site called google plus it was very interesting Uh for a while where there were a lot of posts and things and all of a sudden it just kind of stopped and in some ways, that feels like that's where this is going to. So it does seem like to keep Twitter as a thing that's relevant, it is necessary to make some changes. Now, the question is, is are they the right changes? And this is where, depending on what website you go to, you're going to get an argument for or against. Now, Twitter is a business. It's very rarely showed a profit. There's been a few quarters over the time since it's been public that it has, but that's not been the norm. 
Mm-hmm. And as far as all of that goes, their money is made primarily on ad revenues. They've tried to introduce a few things even before Elon Musk was involved to have a premium level of membership that you would pay for and some things like that. That's just say, let's have a lukewarm reception mm-hmm. to put it mildly. And so then the question becomes is, is a business model like this even viable still today? And if so, what actually needs to be done to make it a thing? So one of the first things that's happened with Elon Musk coming in is the entire executive team is gone from the CEO down to the board. They've either been dismissed or left. And department managers and that type of thing are complaining about the fact that they're being forced to work. Uh, what's If you are to believe what they're posting, incredible, you know, like 80 plus hours a week and sleep over in their offices and all these type of things. Now, there's going to be a huge difference. If you look at the philosophy that Musk uses to run some of his other companies like Tesla, it is required that you show up and work. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's anything that that's that unreasonable. Now, working 80 hours a week, that would be a bit of, a, let's just say, a shock for most people, especially if they haven't had to do it before. And right. Twitter was the kind of company that, for anybody that hasn't been on the campus, they have meditation suites and workout rooms and all this other stuff, uh, which is a very different philosophy from what you would again see at something like Tesla or SpaceX. Yeah. So, so yeah, I won't even know. go there. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, you know, it's a being said, I mean, plus or minus, it's a, a business I mean, and a business perspective. And making that much of a change, though, in three days might be a little bit of a jolt. I guess so. Hmm. Now, I look at... Um, all right, from from user friendly's point of view, uh, I for the radio show, I want to let people know about our show. I want to share the enthusiasm that we have for our topics. That's right. what I do for as user friendly. Then I have my own account uh, on Twitter, and I like Star Wars stuff. I like superheroes. And things like that. And I like seeing the people that I that I follow. I want to see their pictures. I want to see what they're doing. And as time went on, I didn't see them anymore. And so it's kind of like I lost a lot of interest. So I don't know if other people have had the same experience. So then you're looking at it as a business model. Where do we go with this? Yeah. You know? yeah can that make... And that make money. I mean, if you don't have the users, that's kind of your core thing. And again, this has been a problem long before Musk was even involved. And it seems like, you know, the other thing of it is, is the bot accounts. I know we've run into that too, and that being part of it. All right, we're going to continue this conversation after the break. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We were just talking about social media and specifically Twitter and some of the things that's been going on with that. And another topic we get asked about a lot here dealing with social media, social media marketing. Now, one of the big controversies that's come up is the idea of having to pay for the verified checkmark. And I don't know, I don't see a problem with charging for that as long as there is still the need to be validated to get the mm-hmm. checkmark. Yeah, you should Otherwise, be really it doesn't make any sense. Are. If you can just pay for it, then it doesn't matter, you know? So uh, seeing where they end up going with that. No, we never got ours, did we? 
No, and that's been another side of this too. And this isn't just Twitter, Twitter and Facebook. It's a very odd system. And I think there's more going on to this behind the scenes than any of us know about. I've applied for that many times. Mm -hmm. And we as a show absolutely qualify on both social networks to have a verified function. And we've been denied every time I've applied. And the denial is instant. It's like I'll put in the application and 30 seconds later, I'll get an email. You've been denied. Now, it is impossible that anybody's reviewing that. Yeah, there is not a human. I don't even think a computer. I think they're just reading our name and just throwing us away, that sounds like, doesn't it? Well, it feels like it, but it's, it's, I don't know if others have experienced that. Write in and let us know if you have tried to get verified on these social media sites and what your experience has been, because I know that we've had that and haven't had too much success with it. And, you know, where this goes with businesses is advertising on social media has been kind of a key component. Now, Facebook's revenue has been dropping like a rock because of the fact that this has been changing, mainly due to the privacy rules Apple has been setting up, where it defaults to where you're logged out of them being able to track what you do online and all that kind of stuff, which is what drives a lot of social media marketing. Mm -hmm. And it's causing all kinds of problems on the end of Facebook, especially, or meta as it is now. And the other thing of it is, is for advertisers, you don't get seen as much. You know, so that's a detail of what's going on that is a problem here, too, that seems like something else that needs to be fixed. But as far as social media in general goes, and another area where we are seeing a lot of stuff with this, too, is the reviews. Mm-hmm. Now, not directly social media, but definitely part of this type of marketing. When you go to Amazon or another site, you read the reviews, hotel reviews. We just experienced that with the reviews not quite <laughs> going with a hotel we recently stayed at. And it's a problem because if you can't trust the reviews, yeah, that's the case. Now, Facebook has shut down a bunch of groups where you were selling where you could actually go, I've got a product on Amazon. How much would it be for 55 star reviews? And somebody would sell that to you, you'd pay them the money and get your 50 reviews. <sighs> it's totally fake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's the that's, point. That's, yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, yes. I ran into this personally. There was a product, it was a light bulb a smart light bulb that came out and they had said, uh, buy our bulb on Amazon. And as soon as you post a five-star review, we'll PayPal whatever you paid for it back. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. And they did. They did. I I have to say, I I just wanted to see if that actually would happen. Now, was the light bulb any good? Uh, The light bulb was fine, but it was definitely not as good as like a Philips Hue or other name brand Uh uh, smart bulb. It did what it was supposed to. I mean, you know, it worked. But right. again, it's that's not the point, really. The point is the fact that they were paying <laughs> for that review. And, uh, yeah, you know, so I don't know. I think there's a lot of issues going on here that need to be cleaned up. One of the other ones that's before the Supreme Court right now is this bit with whether social media sites are actually exempt from what's being posted on them, too. And if that isn't upheld, that's going to change a lot of stuff. So, you know, talk about what we were saying earlier, there's a lot of chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems like. That's absolutely true and absolutely the case here. But what that ends up doing is that affects where you put your advertising dollars. If all of a sudden you're not sure if your message is going to get out, your brand's going to be featured the way that you think it is, what's that going to do for these sites? Well, Meta's already having a lot of revenue problems. And I think Twitter is going to see if the churn keeps going with this, where they're going to have some problems too. And that's their primary source of income, you know? So, and then the question becomes is how do you advertise? Because if these things aren't available, I know I'm talking to a major TV network about one of my other companies that were thinking about doing some more formal things. And they've talked about a lot of the online and on-site advertising. 
and that type of a thing. And it's an issue too, but you can actually buy a commercial through a provider, which is a local TV station here in this case, but your ad will also be on other advertising supported sites like Pluto, eventually the Netflix ad tier, Disney ad tier and all that kind of stuff all in one shot. Mm-hmm. So that does help. But the media buy is $15,000. So wow. that might work for my bigger company, but that's not going to work for the small guy, you know, because that's a lot of money. Yeah, that is a, lot, a of lot of money. Wow. And where yeah. it used to be, you could put a hundred bucks into Facebook and get some pretty good exposure. So I don't know. We're going to keep an eye on this for you though, and see where this is all going. And right now, a lot of it's up in the air. By the way, our social media, one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Don't forget to check us out on social media as we're talking about this this week. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn and, of course, userfriendlyshow.com. Now, joining us in this segment is Chaz Wellington. Chaz, I know you've been with us on the show many times before from down in Las Vegas covering a variety of things. How are you doing? Uh, doing wonderful. Uh, Vegas is strong uh, we have like two or three casinos opening next year shows are packed and we're rocking so it's good yeah i've been hearing some some stuff about that the things have kind of come back gangbusters and that's great you know it's uh it, you know these things in the entertainment industry took a huge hit with covid and a lot of stuff hasn't come back so it's nice to know some stuff is successful and you know along the lines with that a big part of las vegas of course is gaming casinos as you say and everything like that and i know you're working on a project called gaming social and the description i've been giving is gaming social gives gamblers the ability to explore gaming destinations in order to make an informed decision in their choice of stay this includes but is not limited to hotel room prices dining choices available table games and amenities and if anybody thinks that i didn't read that you would be wrong because i did but that <laughs> is the explanation yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, give us, tell us a little bit more. What is Gaming Social and what gave you the idea to put this together? Well, Gaming Social is going to uh, help destigmatize the gaming world. You know, just as it states, you know, it's a social tool for casino gaming. It's going to incorporate great information in regard to casinos, uh, in, not limited to, but including gaming availability, uh, minimum bets the best options, guest service levels, you know, so users can make an informed decision where they want to gamble. And it's going to be happening in real time. Uh, They can be, they can rest assured that they're going to have the proper hospitality information, such as ease of access, amenities. And in, in the future, gaming social options will include information, you know, as you mentioned, dining, uh, in-depth scores in regard to restaurant and show reviews. Right, right. So, so I think uh, you know all the way around. This sounds interesting because it definitely picks up a niche that isn't there right now. I mean, you can talk about restaurants on Yelp and Google reviews, and I guess you could talk about casinos on some of the other social media platforms, but none of them are really set up specifically for people that enjoy gaming and gambling and the related things with that. And it's something that I think is a huge area especially if you get some partners and stuff to jump in with this and support it. Now, have you noticed 
support in your industry for a product like this? I, I don't believe I've ever heard this type of uh, product discussed. So like you said, there's, there's okay. a niche and mm-hmm. we're tackling it. And, you know, what better way, you know, when people go out, they wonder, where am I going to go to the nightclub? Where am I going to go? What's happening? What's rocking? And, you know, when they hear about various nightclubs, I won't mention by name, but, you know, they want to know where to go and they want to know about what they're going to expect. And so with Gaming Social, they're going to be able to do that. They're going to say, okay, I'm going to go here for this minimum bet. I like to play this game. And, and right now I can, I can go and enjoy. So if somebody right. wants to go um, gamble and then later on go dancing and they have a preferred type of music, uh, could they look that up? In, in the future, we're going to have that. Um, so the nightclubs are pretty much set as far as the type of music. but you know, as, as far as shows, yeah, we could incorporate show reviews and uh, uh, the description, nomenclature, and such like that, uh, genre. Yeah, the, all of that will be incorporated. Awesome. It, se- it seems like this would be a thing. Now, what about uh, things like sharing, uh, let's say you have a slot player and there's a machine that's hot. Would they be allowed to share that information, or do you think stuff like that would be restricted? Oh, absolutely. They would be able to share whatever they want to about any type of uh, slot machine, um, the table games may be restricted as far as video, but information about what's going on in the casino is public uh, information. So, so, are, are, okay, so will, will people be able to allow um, to take photos of themselves on the gaming floor, or is that still not allowed? That's, that was an old you, thing. You can take pictures anywhere in the casino uh, except for at the table games for, you know, of course, okay. for the privacy of others. Um, but as far as slot machines, other areas of the casino, you can take video and photos all you like. Hmm. Okay. All right. So that seems kind of, I mean, you know, I could, <laughs> again, I can see where this really fits the market. Now, we're talking about Las Vegas, and obviously that is the obvious choice to start something like this, but do you see this ultimately working for, say, Atlantic City or Reno or other places that they have casino gaming? Anywhere where they have hospitality. It could be anywhere on the globe. Yes, I mean, because it's going to apply not just Mm -hmm. to gaming, but it'll have information, like I said, for shows, uh, dining options, um, and more so about the, the surrounding details of those types of things. So okay, like cool. um like if I wanted a, a hotel with a really nice swimming pool or if I wanted to make sure I was able to get a massage every night those things would be included. Yes, and it it will have a a a specifically um cr- created uh, how do I want to word this uh score that is game it's going to be gaming social specific. You know, it's not going to be just a review right. that you would say, oh, four or five stars. It's going to be an in-depth review and we'll have an in-house type secret algorithm and formula for this score. So it's going to be spot on. So now awesome. I've also heard a little rumor that you are accepting people for the beta team. Is that true? Absolutely. If you'd like to go to gamingsocial.net and enter your email address, we will be happy to uh, add that individual or individuals to the beta. All right. That, that sounds wonderful. So you can be a part of this kind of at the ground floor, so to speak, cool. and get involved and uh, look at pointing out what, what could be a very good 
new social media app. I, I again, I just I know grow, growing up in Nevada and casino gaming was very much just part of life. Something like this actually does make a lot of sense, and uh, you know, I could I, I could see this really going. Now, is this going to be an app like an iPhone, Android type thing, as well as the web? Uh, how do you see people getting access? Every platform that's available. Every platform that's available. Cool. That works for me, and that will work for pretty much everyone else. All right, check it out, GamingSocial.net. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. I'm going to have to share this week's show on social media, especially after yep. all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, television, I believe this is television, new uh, Disney Plus, I assume, Tales of the Jedi. Yeah. What is that? Yep. Do you like it, hate it? Uh, tell us about it. Well, the artwork was great, the stories were great. So, <laughs> I, you know, what wasn't there to like about it? You know, um, Dave Filoni and his team always put together really, really nice stuff. And it's yeah. stuff that appeals not just to children, but to the adults. It, it, it's written on a double level, you know, and it's something that everyone can enjoy. Um, basically, the two stories, there's two stories that are um, focused on mm -hmm. two individuals. You've, yeah, you've got uh, three episodes uh, focusing on Ahsoka Tano and three episodes focusing on uh, Count Dooku or... Jedi Dooku, or however you want to pronounce, do that, but it's it focuses on Dooku's fall to the dark side and Ahsoka's rise into the light, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, and you get to see where Ahsoka grew up, you know, where she was a baby, and how her um, her people discovered that she was a Force user, that she had the gift. So it, it's really kind of neat. And um, you also get to see a little bit of Qui-Gon. Because remember, Qui-Gon Jinn mm -hmm. was Count Dooku's apprentice, or Padawan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's basically, they, they, they you know, went back, used the, the Clone Wars artwork uh, and, and models, and it was... You know, really cool to see all that. Again. And I'm, I, you know, just desperately hoping he's going to do more. Disney has to see this stuff and go, wow, this is quality work. They need to well, continue I, I did, with Dick that. Filoni is one of the few bright stars right now that's going on with all he, the controversy. If he ever left, I don't know what would happen to Disney. I know. I, well, I think Lucasfilm was, would go, because yeah. it's like when, when the cartoons are better written than the sequels. Um, <laughs> You know, it, yeah, that's what we've something. been talking about for years now. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> so, mean, so you're saying you still don't like the uh, the the clone of uh, Alpatine scenario? I don't. Oh, even I think never, you've seen I never that watched that movie. I refused yeah. after yeah. seeing the second one. The second one was dreadful. And then, that was awful. And when we tell you all the things that happened, you just look at us like we're insane. Yeah, so. I do. I look well, at I mean, you I, like, I saw it, I, and it was a couple of years ago, and I still don't think I've recovered from it. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out what they were doing and. And I'm not alone in that. <laughs> it no. sounds like an acid trip. Oh yeah, my gosh! Yeah. Oh man, no. But uh, but, but these right. uh, these tales of the Jedi are awesome. All right, yes. and I always ask this when you bring this up. This is something good for the kids. Absolutely. Yes. Cool, cool. So uh, Disney Plus, and it's up there now. You can go ahead and play it and do so in the next month because Disney Plus's subscriptions are going up. 
again in December. So uh, yeah, uh, um, you know, pouring <laughs> you for a year if you can. Until next week, this is User Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2022. User Friendly Media Group Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host, and not necessarily those of the User Friendly Media Group Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.